Thank you for being with us this morning. This morning I want to continue a message called, are we okay in the mic, you guys? Is that a little bit too ringy? Uh, we're going to continue a message called Recalibrate. To calibrate means to bring back to a standard. To recalibrate means, or calibrate means a standard. To recalibrate means to bring back to it. And what I hope to get from our time today is, each and every week, is that I'm helping you get back to who you really are. You know, over life or over time, life has a way of putting labels on us and defining us according to what we've done and according to our past. And so sometimes we receive Christ, but we have that very same label or identity from who we used to be. And my prayer as a pastor is I'm able just a little bit chip away, just like that sculpt, a sculpture would do to a, a mobile, mobile uh, sculpture, is just begin to chip away so that you can truly see what God sees about you. How many know there's a difference between knowing it and actually truly believing it? And that's why I'm very intentional about saying some things over and over and over because there's moments, either in a conversation that you may have with somebody or myself with you, it's like, oh, I got it. I finally caught what he means by that. And so today we're going to continue that series about this mindset of a son. But before we get into some of the things that I really want to dive into, I wanted to show you what the foundation of our walk with God is all about. How many know we need a good foundation in order to build something that is stable, that can last, that can face the test of time, that can face the challenges that we're going to come across, that would uphold our identity of who we are in God? And as I was looking at a few passages, these two words, and I know we all have our own definition and meaning when it comes to these words, but I really want to help clarify what I mean by them, is security and love. That there's a foundation that we stand upon, every single one of us, as we are called to stand upon Christ, the foundation and the rock of our life, I think of two words, security. Security of what? Security of who he is. That God is the same yesterday, today, and yesterday. You know, that brings me tremendous comfort, knowing that I don't have to wake up and wonder what God I'm going to have to deal with today. For those who are married, can I get an amen? And so when I realize that God doesn't change, that I'm not having to wonder where I stand with God and what he thinks about me today or maybe tomorrow and that it's on a day-to-day -day basis, it brings a lot of stability into my life not having to worry about this. Because so many people do. I remember I was discipling a, a young man it was probably a five-year journey of him consistently doubting whether or not God, that he's even saved. How many ever struggle to know if you're saved or not? <laughs> yep, that is, a, that is a tough one sometimes because sometimes we act not the part. But when I realize I can be completely secure in one thing, God, I don't have to worry where I'm at with you because all I have to look at is the one that you sent on my behalf and you finalized it on the cross and said to me, receive my son and you have me. The second word that pops out to me is love. Now this is the foundation we're talking about. And this is where a lot of cracks and a lot of reasons why believers are just wavy and moving back and forth because these parts of the foundation have not been laid properly. If you build any home and you start to lay a foundation but too quickly start to try to build upon it, you're going to run into trouble when? Down the road. The other one is love. Love of what? It's his nature of love. God loves you not because you're lovely. He loves you because he is love. Now that shouldn't make you feel bad. That actually should bring you a sense of what? Security, knowing that God loves me not because of me. He loves me because of him and he never changes. Therefore, his love toward me will never change. Those are tough, challenging thoughts to embrace. 
because we feel like, you know, there's no way that God is not going to change toward me. He has to because of how I live or how I look or how I talk. So I want you to keep those two words, security and love, in your mind as you listen to some of the words that I'm going to share. Where those come from is these two passages. Look at Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn in there. This is going to be from the Passion Translation. And it says these words, And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty that's leading you back to the fear of never being good enough. But you have received. Would you say received with me? It's a key word in the kingdom of God. That's how the kingdom works. How do you get anything or become anything in the kingdom? By receiving. It's one of the downfalls of many I think, um, understandings that people have is that in order for me to become what God called me to become, I must first do. That's how it works in the world. It's how it works in your corporate offices and the, the systems out there. If you want to get a promotion, perform and achieve and strive and earn, and you will make your way all the way up the corporate ladder. But in the kingdom of God, everything is different. And so he wants us to learn just in the way that you become what I've spoken over to you, over you is to receive what I spoke about you. Because it's in that receiving that I receive by what? By faith and faith alone. And it says that we receive the spirit of full acceptance or the spirit of adoption. And this spirit is now enfolding me into what? Into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us. Where does God rise up? Within us. In the Old Testament, and I'm not going to try to overload you with too much information, but in the Old Testament, it was a visitation covenant. So God, you'd go to a temple, you'd go to a place, and you'd begin to lift his name up, and God would what? He would visit that place with his glory. In the New Covenant, what's the difference? He inhabits us. And now he dwells within us, and so God rises up within us the very things that he's called us to be. And it says he rises up within us, and our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father, or Abba, daddy, father. For the Holy Spirit, and I love this passage, I love how it says it here, the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved. Now, when I read that passage, one of the biggest obstacles I know of somebody who's communicating a verse like that to people is the fact that you already what? You already know it. And so when we already know something, it's very difficult to turn that off because when we hear something that we've heard before, we go, oh, yeah, I know that. But I find that that knowledge is not translating into a security. Many people are still very at unrest between them and God. They're still striving so hard to make him happy. They know he's disappointed. They know he must be angry or at any moment he could reject them. And so there's not a stability. There's an unrest, but I know he loves me. And so they could tell other people that God loves you, but they themselves don't fully believe it. And I knew this for 15 years of my Christian walk without even realizing that I didn't truly believe it. And so the Lord took me face to face with taking away so many things that I thought he, he got pleasure in me doing when those weren't in my life. All that was left was me not being able to show him some good achievements and yet he still what? Called me his beloved. And it was at that moment when I had to receive what he said about me even though I had nothing back to give. And that's when I started to learn I'm his beloved son. Not because of all the things I've done for him, but because of who I am to him. Verse 17 says this, And since we are his true children, we qualify. It's great to qualify for something, isn't it? It's great to know that you've qualified for something that is going to be very beneficial to your life. And it says we qualify to share what? All his treasures. I'm going to show you in a moment an illustration that I think will help you understand why we qualify for this, but why very few people actually partake of the treasures. It's like, yeah, I know I'm qualified, but I really don't feel like I'm worthy of it. 
That is no longer part of the equation, whether you feel like you're worthy of it. The question is, do you qualify to share in the treasures that God has for you? Amen. Working a little bit. Three. We got three. Moving to five in just a minute. I'll preach about three hours and we might have about a full yes. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we inherit all that he is and all that he has. And we will experience being what? Co-glorified with him, provided that we accept what comes with it just as well, which is his sufferings. Now look at Ephesians chapter 3. The reason why I'm sharing these two verses is just to kind of show you the foundation of our life. Security of who God is for me and his nature of his love that never changes. So it says these words, then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be what? Released where? Deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and the very what? Root of your life. If you want to find a stable Christian, it's not one who just is, God loves me, God loves me, God, that's not, that's not what I'm speaking of. A stable Christian is one who goes, God loves me, and I'm his beloved son. And it's out of that love that I'm going to live a life unto him. It's out of that love that I'm dedicating my life unto him. And now what I'm doing is I'm responding to the love that he has given to me, and it's taking root in my life so that when the enemy comes and he wants to what? Accuse the brethren His accusations come, and they may go like this to my life, but he didn't move me off my place. Why? Because I've been rooted where? In the love of God. And so the accusations don't no no longer, I don't identify with them. I identify with what? I'm a beloved son of God. And now what does the enemy do? He can't get me moved off that place. Therefore, my foundation is what? Secure. And it says these words, it will be the resting place of his life will become the very source and root of your life. Look at verse 18 and 19. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions or fullness. How deep and how intimate, how far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is. An endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love that pours into you until you are what? Filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. One of the secrets, I think, of the Christian walk is receiving fullness and not measure. Measure is based upon what I feel like I deserve Fullness is something that I know I don't deserve, but I'm going to receive it anyways. And some of us just want a little bit of what God has for us. We just feel like, God, I don't, I'm not asking for much. Just give me this. And we accept the breadcrumbs that fall from the table rather than learning to enjoy to feast at the table of our Father. And so who we become in Christ is dependent upon the mindset Not what happened to us, not the experience that we had with Christ, but the mindset that we now live with from here on out. We either have the mindset of a son or the mindset of a what? An orphan. I'm going to get very creative here. Thank God for Amazon. Twelve hats came to me within 20 hours. So we put on an orphan hat. Now think about this. Some of, you are, some of you are new here, so you're unfamiliar with this, but this is who you are in Christ. This is a new man. Your ears have been opened up. Your eyes have been opened up. Your mouth has a new language. Your heart has been transformed. So this is who we are. I'm a new man in Christ. I can say it. I know it. But I have what on my head? Elizabeth, are you taking pictures of me? <laughs> I have an orphan mindset. So I walk around maybe knowing that this is true, but I think like an orphan. 
So two, man, in this illustration, Jesus lives in the shower sometimes, amen? Got in the shower this morning, Jesus was there with me, and he says he want to share something with me. And so I start thinking about the what? The prodigal son. He had everything he needed with the father, but yet he still decided I would be better away from my father. And so he took his inheritance and he began to what? Say, Dad, thank you for the money. I'm going to go. He was a son of his father, and yet he still walked away. Why? Because he thought like an orphan. And he went and he uh, spent all of his money. And he found his place in a, in a pig pen. And he realized, you know what? The servants, are they're eating better than I am. I'll go back just so I can eat better. And I'll tell my father this. I'm unworthy to be called your, just make me one of your hired servants. And so he starts to walk back. His father sees him from a distance. His father actually starts to run. I'm sure the boy was like, oh, dear Lord, I'm in trouble. Like, oh, no, you know. Father catches up to him, hugs him, kisses him. He begins to go in his little spiel. You know, I'm just so unworthy to be called your, and his father just stopped him. The Bible clearly shows that he stopped him in his tracks and said, hey, guys, get this. Get the fatted calf. Get this. My son is now what? Back. Okay, that's how some of us are in this room. We kind of run from God because we just don't feel like, you know what, that's the life that I want or signed up for. And then you have the other brother who's a son of the father, but he's like, are you kidding me? Throwing a party for that little stinking, what? <laughs> dirt? That little stinking dirt head. And so this, this, little, this brother is like, what? He's a son, but now what? He has an orphan mindset too, and the father says to him, Wait, 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 wait. Everything is mine, has always been yours. You've just never what? Partook of it or received it. And that's how some of us in this room, we, we're, we're sons of God. We're faithful to the Father. We come to church. We just don't what? We don't receive what is yours every single day. It's because of this thing that's on your head called an orphan mindset. And when you begin to realize how this is wreaking havoc with your life, that it's not allowing you to partake of who you truly are, which is a son in Christ. I'm a son in Christ. That's what I walk around. I don't walk around with pride about it. I walk around proud that I'm a son in Christ. And I know I'm going to mess up. I know there's times where I'm going to start to doubt and I'm going to falter. But I love the fact that in my weakness, he has made what? Strong. I love the fact that his grace is greater than my sin. I love the fact that though when I mess up, he still identifies me and says, you are my beloved. And that's what I'm keeping on my head is I'm a, I'm a son of God. And now what I'm doing is I'm learning what it means to be a son are you following me? 1 Corinthians, look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have what? The mind of Christ. It's the mind of the Christ, or mind of Christ. It is the mind of a son. Jesus, while he was here, was what? A son to his father, coming to do the will of his Father, do you know the only time he ever addressed Father as God was when? My God, my... Because he became sin and for that moment there was a distance between him and his Father and he no longer knew that he was there in that relationship because he took upon the sin of the world. But every other moment where he saw, he always addressed him and saw him as Father. He was the premier the, the, the pre-essence, the, 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 the pinnacle of sonship, and we are learning what it means to put on the mindset of a son who is in Christ Jesus. I have the mind of Christ, but I need to learn to think like he thought, which is from a place of sonship. And so at the cross, oh, I already mentioned that. So John chapter 1, look at this. John chapter 1. It says, he came to his own, this is speaking of Christ, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received, key word in the kingdom as I mentioned, as you receive Christ, to them he gave what? <laughs> I love this. He gave the right. He said, Abby, you receive me. I give you the, can I mess your hair up? Yeah, okay, I'll do it. Can I do yours? <laughs> Whose hair can I touch? I already touched mine. I'm already mad at myself. Okay. He gives you the right or the authority to what? Become a children 
or a child of God to those who believe in his name. He now gives you that right to walk around and go, Justin, wear it like you're mine. Wear it like you're mine. And now I've given you that right to be a son of God. Why? Because you received what? Him. This had nothing to do about my performance or even my obedience at that point. You'll see an important in a minute why obedience is so paramount to being a son, but this has nothing to do with that right now. It says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. What am I? I'm a son now who has been born of God as a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. And I know that my father loves me, and I know that I love my father. Not because we have some emotional connection, but because that's who I am, and that's who he is to me. So when I wake up, I can say, good morning, father. Thank you for your love today. Thank you that I can be stable in one thing. Everything else may be different. My wife may not be happy with me. My kids may act crazy. Bills may still come through the, 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 the door this morning. Uh, business may not be going well, but there's one thing I know that does not change, who my daddy is. And that is beginning to learn now that I think as a son, I'm no longer thinking like an orphan. And an orphan does what? They self-preserve. They self-protect. They self-promote. It happened in the garden and after the garden, we all learned and we passed it down. One generation after another, pass it down. This is how you are. If somebody hurts you, you feel really bad about it, and you know what? You talk bad about them, or maybe sometimes you just take revenge on them. Sometimes you just have to stand up for yourself, and we, we begin to put on this, this facade of, you know what? I feel like I might be rejected, so I'm going to put some walls up inside my life so nobody can hurt me. I may not be able to love intimately, but nobody will hurt me. And so we start to, what, act like an orphan does all throughout the course of our life. And it says that we receive, what, our sonship. One more passage before I get into just a few quick thoughts. First John chapter 3. It says, look with wonder at the depth of what? God's marvelous love toward you. That he has lavished on us. Lavished. You know what I think about that? When you start to marinate ribs. You what? You just lavish barbecue sauce all over those suckers, don't you? He has called us and he has made us his very own beloved children. The reason the world does not recognize who we are is that they don't recognize him. Beloved, we are God's children when? Right now. However, it's not yet apparent what we will become. But we do know that when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him. For then we will see him as he truly is. One of the greatest frustrations that we will all have as believers is not feeling like we're where we should be. Anybody feel that way? And that one thing has crippled so many from actually embracing who they are because we realize, man, but God, you probably just... You probably think my faith should be there, and you probably think I should be acting like that. And what happens is we start to discredit ourselves and disqualify ourselves, and we begin to take this thing off, and we start to put this thing back on, and we now start to believe the accusations of the enemy toward us that that is who I truly am, that I don't measure up. I really don't qualify. I really don't, I can't accept the call that God has on my life. I'm really not that anointed because of this or that. And we begin to put the orphan mindset on. And I just want to encourage you to keep this one on you. So each and every day, as a son or a daughter, we have a prime objective. It's not necessarily to reach the world, although that's part of the process. It's not necessarily to be the best Christian or to go out there and to to. to, to to use your gifts for God's glory. Here's our objective as a son. Remember it says, as you have freely received, freely what? You cannot give what you have not first received. So it's important to learn how to receive before you can affirm. It's important to learn how to receive before you can go out in the world and start changing people's lives. I know a lot of people that can talk about God loving those people, but they don't, we haven't received it themselves. Now look at this. Our primary objective is this. Go ahead, put that next screen up. Okay? As a son, I have the hat on. I wake up today, I realize, God, I, I pray that my day will be fruitful. But most of 
most importantly, it's this. I need to embrace or receive what your view of me is today. This could radically shift your life. Many of us are looking for God's ultimate will for our lives. We're looking for what he has in our future. And I'm saying you just embrace these things and these things will take you to a place with God that you never thought was possible. I have to receive his view of me. What is his view of me? That I am his beloved son or daughter of God. That's his view of me. Not only that do I embrace, I embrace his purpose for me. What is his purpose for me and what is his purpose for you? That he would be able to dwell inside of you and to show his glory to the world. We are housing the spirit of the living God. That is your purpose. Your purpose was created and designed to what? Be a house or a temple of the Spirit of God. That's why you live. That's why you're left here on earth, so that you can house God and then release Him wherever you go. Just like in a perfume bottle. If you have that perfume bottle and you carry it in your purse and you never spray it, nobody benefits from that perfume bottle. No one. It's the same thing with our lives is that we may house God, but if we never spray no one benefits from the aroma of the presence of God in our life. And so I, I embrace his what? His view toward me. I embrace his purpose for me, which is to live on the inside of me. And the last thing that I embrace is what? His thoughts toward me. His thoughts toward me are what? Precious. More in number than all the sands on the seashore. Just stop right there and just go, okay, if your thoughts are toward me are precious, ask the question, what do you think about me, Lord? And when you come with that question and ask that question, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get a whole bunch of negativity coming through your mind because the enemy is waiting for an opportunity so you do not believe the precious thoughts that God has toward you. And they're so subtle throughout the day that you don't even realize that you're just beating yourself down constantly and coming down to the place where eventually you go, you know what? I'm really not worthy to carry this thing. This is who I am really. And we start to live with this orphan mindset once again of, God, I'm just no good. God, I'm just not worthy. God, I can't even raise my hands because I know I've so disappointed you. I don't even know why I go to church, God, because I'm still the same as I used to be. Because this orphan mindset is controlling your entire life. You live with condemnation and shame. And so in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, it says these words. It says, set your, I really want to encourage you with that. If you want to walk as a son who is here, and the dead says, everything that was mine was yours anytime you wanted it. If you want to be the son that is able to partake of everything that is your father's, we have to learn the importance of this one thing. Set your mind on things above. Because if you don't, your mind will get filled with things that do not belong upstairs. I'm telling you, we live in a world today, and there's many reasons why, but we live in a world today that mental health is at an all-time high. I guess we should say mental sickness. It's at an all-time high. We don't know what to do with our minds because things are coming so quickly. There's this discouragement. There's this dissatisfaction. There's disappointment. There's despair. There's a, a wishing I looked like that or had that or don't have that. So there's so much going at that our minds, and I, I remember sharing with you, is that you have to receive God's thoughts, but the enemy plants his thoughts. And that's why you have to set your mind on things above. Otherwise, things will be set on your mind that will literally change your entire world contrary to what God has. So as a son of God, there's certain mindsets that I need to have. And I only do this so that you'll remember some of these things. I'm not trying to be uberly funny. But the first one is a mindset of surrender. Because many of us sons... We want what we want. We want life our way. We have dreams and goals that would make us happy. We have hopes for more finances because that would give us a better, more comfortable life. 
But there's something with the son that is required, which is what? Surrender. It's when I put this mindset on as a son, I see surrender as a good thing. An orphan, when you have this, an orphan looks at surrender and goes, no, 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 no way. That's way too hard. No, God, I could never give that up. I remember as I just received Christ, my life was basketball. I knew I'd never become pro, but I ultimately wanted to achieve some things and playing Division One and all those things. And I just remember that the first thing the Lord asked me to surrender was sports. It was as a son, I had it on there, and I was, I was thinking like, man, okay, God, well, I want everything for you. Okay, give up that hope and that dream because I have something different for you. And I was able to put it on. But you know when I used to have an orphan mindset, you know how I used to think? What if I get saved and the Lord asked me to give up sports? From an orphan mindset, you can't understand it. From an orphan mindset, you think God is trying to take something away from you that is actually going to make you happy. When a son puts it on, he goes, I realize you have something better for me. And I'd much rather be doing this and impacting people's lives than going after something that just simply had momentary pleasure. And so a son puts on a mindset. I'm now living this life going, I'm surrendered to you. Not my will, but your will be done. Abraham said, God said, I want you to take your son, your only son, the one that you love, and go sacrifice him. And Abraham said, yes, Lord. And John the Baptist said, I must what? decrease. So there's an attitude that comes with sonship, and it's a disposition or a mindset that is, I'm surrendered. I'm surrendered what? To the perfect will of my master, knowing that he has his best, he has my best in mind so I can trust him. So it's easy for me to surrender now my life to him because I realize what he has for me is way greater than the life that I was going to make for myself. The second one that I, as I'm thinking about just the mindsets is it's a mindset, and this is a biggie, and I, I, I really want to communicate this one well, is a mindset of what? Rest. You can either, orphans, orphans see life from a circumstantial mindset. They talk about them. They're big to them. They're real to them. They get distraught about them, disappointed, discouraged, angry about them. They consume them. Circumstances consume the mindset of one who is living with an orphan mindset. But when you're at a son, there's a place inside your life that you have rest. And it's twofold. The one is I can rest knowing. And why does, and I said this before, not the statement, but I said, God doesn't see problems. He only sees what? Possibilities. It's, just, it's a strong statement, but then we go, okay, but doesn't he see all the negative things in this world? Yes, but why doesn't he see it from that perspective? Because he sees the end from the beginning. Now, the Super Bowl just happened, right? And who won? The Chiefs just won, right? Now, I gave you that information. Let's say you watch the Super Bowl, and we're going to watch it again with somebody who doesn't know the outcome. They're watching it. Fourth quarter rolls around. San Francisco 49ers are up 13 in the fourth quarter with like 10 minutes to go. What are they thinking? Yeah, and they're like, man, the Chiefs are in, and you're just what? Resting. Because you gambled $100 with them, saying the Chiefs won. So what happens is you're resting. Why? Because you know the outcome. So the reason why God is not moved by what we're moved by is because he knows Chill, chill, there's still 10 minutes in the game. Like, watch what's going to happen. And now I get excited about what the Lord's working on behind the scenes. I don't know how he's going to make it work. I just now sit there and go, I'm excited to see how the Chiefs are going to win this game. And that's called rest. Now, look at this passage. A friend of mine just recently came in town uh, named Tony. And this passage he shared with me, and it comes from the message translation. I'm not a huge fan of it. I, I'm not against it, but it's something that I think really shows you something in the wording. Go ahead with uh, Matthew chapter 11. I think that's on there. Okay, it says these words. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out in religion? 
Come to me. Get away with me and we'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Now, this is what Tony put out to or uh, thought was really cool. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This life of rest is about allowing the unforced rhythms of grace to not irritate you. How many know we like this? Oh, this is great, Lord. Ooh, this life is easy. We're just cooking. It's great. But how about this? And when you don't like this, you try to force something else. But when you learn from him, you're like, where are we going today? Where, why is this happening to my life? Oh, this is exciting how God's going to work this one out. Lord, I thank you that I can accept the sufferings of Christ just as well as the treasures of Christ. And now I'm actually getting into the flow of the unforced rhythms of grace inside my life. That is a place of what? Rest. Because when I get a detour, I'm not now freaking out over the detour and telling everybody and their mother how hard life is for me. That's okay if that's where you're at. I'm now going, man, I don't know what God is up to. I don't know why it did not play out the way that I thought it was going to play out. But I'm excited that the Lord's working some upgrades inside of my life. I know that sounds fake. I know it sounds phony. But from a perspective of rest, it's truly not. Jesus all the time was the son of God and yet people wanted to kill him. People actually crucified the Son of God. He was the most perfect human being ever, and yet he just followed the rhythms of grace. When they said Lazarus is dead, what did he do? He didn't quickly move. He followed the rhythms of what? Grace. Two days later, then he went. He wasn't moved by circumstances. He was moved by rest. We okay in time? Oh, I didn't make one. All right. The ne- I think I had something else for this. That's why I changed it. The next mindset that I know a son takes on is a mindset of favor. Please hear my heart in this and what I'm about to say. A mindset of favor is because I'm God's son, I'm always at an advantage. Okay? When you're an orphan... Please, I know we all have different upbringings and backgrounds. I just want you to hear what maybe God's Spirit is saying at this moment. An orphan picks up the mindset of a what? A victim. And it looks at their upbringing, looks at their financials, looks at their their environment that they live in, and they go, because of all those things, I'm now at a disadvantage in life. In the natural, yes. But when you become God's son and you put on this idea of a son, you go, no matter what I've been through, God's favor is greater than what I've gone through. And so Joseph is what? He's called by God at 17. His brothers now hate him. They actually throw him into a pit. They get him out of the pit. They sell him to somebody who's going to make him his slave. Now Potiphar, now or is it Potiphar? at the time? Yeah, makes him his slave. He's now enslaved. Potiphar's wife now comes to try to seduce him. He now actually does the right thing, but accused for, uh, for raping her. He now gets thrown into prison. While he's in prison, somebody two years later says, man, uh, I got a dream, and he now interprets a dream. He goes, please remember me. They forget about him, and so he's stuck in prison. At every single moment, there's always an opportunity to go, here's a victim mindset. Take it. Why? Because it's justifiable for you to put it on. My parents were like this. I didn't have this growing up. Uh, This boss did this to me. This person did this to me. And so we take it on and we put it on and we put it on proudly. And now we find other people who have the same hat on. They go, you have the same. Cool, now let's rally against what we didn't have. 
rather than you put on favor and you go, God, I thank you that somehow, some way, you're a redeemer of time, that you can take something that has happened to me, you can turn it around and use it to the advantage of the kingdom of God. I want my daughter to know at a young age, and I don't force this on her, it's just something I little, I pepper there. Did you see how I did that, pepper? I pepper it little by little over the course of her life of going, you do not have to be a victim because you got sick at a young age with diabetes. Don't see yourself at a disadvantage, Summer. God, because of his favor, can take that and can use it mightily for the glory of God. Now, I don't ever say it like that to her because it's a very Sunday school way of presenting it, but I'm consistently checking to see whether or not she's taking on a victim hat and going, oh, why did this happen to me? How could God let this? Why God didn't? I get all that process that she's going to go through, and little by little, I'm just going to encourage her to put on a hat that is called God's favor is on your life, sweetie, because it is, you're going to be okay, he's going to take care of you, and he's going to use you to do amazing things regardless of what you have to have on your body. I have the mindset of what? Favor. I'm always at an advantage, which means this. I'm not at, somebody else is not at a disadvantage. I heard growing up to believe God for what? Start small. Believe God for what? Parking spaces. God's favor in your life. You know what I realized? Love always defers to what? I knew that if I got that parking space, somebody else probably didn't. And I started to practice a thing called love and said, you know what? I'm going to forego certain things and try to stop believing God for something that I think would be beneficial to me, and I'm going to let God give it to somebody else. Why? Because it's a mindset of advantage. I'm not looking for God to give me advantage, therefore somebody else is at a disadvantage. Are you following me? The next one is, are you guys, am I overwhelming you? Okay. Next one that I put on, and this one I really want to just, um, just spend a moment here, is a mindset of obedience. Rather than digging your heels in and not wanting to obey God. Some of you actually turn off the listening ear and don't even ask God about certain things because you don't want to know what he has to say. And I want to encourage you the opposite. Orphans do that. Orphans go, I'm not gonna, I can't ask God if he wants me to do this because I don't want to do it. That's what orphans do. A son goes, God, what do you want me to do in this area? A son, a son does this. When you have a fight with your wife, you go to God and you don't go, God, why in the world did you give me her? That's what <laughs> orphans do. A son goes and goes, God, what is it that I need to alter inside my own heart toward her so that I can love her the way that you love her. And there's a security in obedience. There's a security knowing that it says that if your masters, Paul said this to people who were enslaved, not enslaved like the way that we knew it in America, but enslaved in the way that that's what they partook of. Somebody took care of them, but they were their slaves. If, if your master actually does something wrong to you, what? Receive it with joy. Because your, ma- your master in heaven also was done injustice to him. And you're like, what? That's crazy. That's not, I can't obey my master in that. Obey your masters in all things. And so he spoke those kind of things that were crazy. And so there's this obedience that God is saying, man, I have my word. Obey it. And we're like, oh, I can't. I just can't forgive that person. How, how could I forgive them, Lord? Obey me. Because on the path of obedience, now this, this to me is very important in understanding God. God is not like, hey, jump, 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 jump. Oh, good girl, here's a reward. Oh, sit. Oh, good girl, here's a reward. God is not like that. I can tell you this, but on the path of obedience, he doesn't reward me for my obedience, but on that path of obedience is a whole bunch of goodies. It's a whole bunch of goodness of God. There's a whole bunch of blessings that are on that path. So God is not saying, if you obey me, I'll give you this. He said, no, I already gave you everything. But if you want to partake of the treasures, guess where they're at? On the path of obedience. So there's certain things like this. And certain things, there's sometimes God is calling you away from a place where you work. But you know what? You're scared. And what do you do? You hold on. You dig your heels in and go, okay, I'm not, I can't obey God. I can't, it's just too what? 
hard. And he says, but my commandments are not burdensome. They're not hard. You obey me, you're going to find blessing after blessing. And guess what the enemy wants to do? So you're on the path of obedience, and you obey. And Joseph, he says no to that pretty lady that's seducing him. Guess what happens? He gets accused of raping her. Now, what do we do in our theological way of thinking? God, I obeyed you. Why did this happen? God, I obeyed you in ministry. Why did my daughter get sick? God, I obeyed you starting a church. Why are there troubles in my marriage? And what you do now is you start to now get your eyes off of obeying him because you're in it for something rather than just to obey him because you're a son. And that's what sons do. They obey. And I'm telling you, as you obey God, there are blessings along the path of obedience. A couple more. A mindset of full acceptance. My head's getting healthy. <laughs> a mindset of full acceptance, which means this. I live knowing I'm acceptable to my father. That's what a son does. An orphan never fully fear, feels like they belong or that at any moment they'll be rejected. So they work very hard to make sure that they're not deserving of rejection. But I live with full acceptance as a son. The next couple ones is, oh, I have to go back. I don't want to do two R's, so. The mindset of receiving. As a son, I love to receive. I'm telling you, the only difference between all of us in this, in this room is who's going to receive more of what God has. So he tells me to obey. I want to obey, but many of us are fearful. You know what I need? I'm going to receive his grace to obey. All right, Father, I receive your courage and your grace to do what you've called me to do. And I thank you every step of the way. I receive your strength and your wisdom. It says anybody who lacks wisdom, let him what? Ask of God and God will give it to him freely. But many times we go to Google before we go to God. Now, Google is smart. Google knows a lot of things, and it can give much quicker answers than God does sometimes. But I'm telling you, there's a way of receiving as a son. Do you know what orphans do? Orphans, they transact. They're, okay, God, I love you, but I know that Jesus died for me and he saved me, but I know it's now up to me. And I know that if I want your faith and your blessings... What do you want from me? You want more of my prayer time? You want, you want me to sacrifice my kids? You want me to uh, go to church four days in, in the month? Do you want me to read my Bible every day? And so what we do is instead of those things being a response to a great relationship we have with God, we start now transacting those things. And how do we know we're transacting? Let me tell you this. When you're surprised if something bad happens to you because of all the good that you have done, you now realize, how did that creep in there? You look at a family that is committed to God. They love God. They have family worship. You think that they're, they're just a premier family, and something happens to their kid. And you go, oh, why did it happen to them? Why are they not exempt? Didn't they transact enough? No one is exempt. So I'm not transacting with him. An orphan is transacting. God, if I pray this amount of time, man, will you give me more anointing? No, a son goes, you know what? I thank you that the anointed one lives on the inside of me. And Lord, I pray not to get something from you. I pray because you're my father and I get to spend time with you. And I thank you that more of you rubs off on me while I spend time with you. And now I'm thinking like a son. Let me do this last one. It's the mindset of get to, not have to. Right, Chloe? We joke about this one a lot. It's the mindset of I get to obey God. I get to surrender. I get to praise him. I get to love him. I get to serve him. I get to give to his kingdom. 
I get to love the unlovely. I get to meet people right where they are. I get to encourage those who seem like they need encouragement. I get to to forgive those who have done things against me that were wrong. I get to pray for those who had spitefully spoken words. I I get to do those things. I now get to live a life, a new life that he has given to me. I don't have to. An orphan has to. I get here at 8 a.m. or 8.15. John gets here a little bit before me. I get here. I don't have to do it. Somehow, someway, a lot of this stuff will get done. I don't do much of the work, when I, but I get to get here. It's a get-to for me, and it hasn't waned. And the moment that it wanes, I realize what I've done is I've taken off the, the sonship hat, and I started to put an orphan hat on and go, oh, I have to do And when you have to do anything in the kingdom of God, it's duty, it's drudgery, and it has no power, and it has no lasting ability. And so when I'm drifting, and we all drift, don't we? And I just want to remind you today, man, put that sonship cap back on and live with a life of, man, does that say son? Okay, that's orphan. I get to do this. You get to do whatever it is that God allows you to do. I get to live a life for him. I get to believe God for things that that are beyond my control. I get to now praise God when circumstances seem so weighty on my life. I get to serve my wife when I don't feel like serving her. I get to love my kids when they don't feel like they're acting the way that I should. I get to, and that's the life that I now get to live. Amen? And it's a new life. And it's a life of a son. And now I'm learning what it's like to be Jesus. I'm learning why he did what he did because he was a son. My language is no longer God. My language is Abba. My language is Father. That took years for me to change. Years of getting comfortable to say Father instead of Abba. Why? Because we all, all have, now hear me out, we all have been raised by orphans. I don't care who your daddy or your mommy was, it was there somehow, some way, an orphan mindset. And it's just passed down one generation after another, after another, after another, and we just pick it up very easily because that's the lens we live with. And I'm telling you, let's set our mind where? On things above. And be the sons and daughters that he's called us to be. So when you go out of this room, you're a son. You're a beloved son or daughter. Go and wear it proudly. And when he gives you an instruction, obey. Because that's what sons do. And when you go through persecution and trials, respond like a son would. And when you don't know what your father's up to, a son always knows. He's always good. He always has my best in mind. And he's always setting me up to succeed. That's how a son thinks. Amen? Thank you guys for listening this morning. Uh, The hats are on sale for... uh... Why are you laughing? I I put champion on the back, so they're actually twice the amount right now.